Listening to the next free part. And welcome to another new exciting episode of the next report. I'm Thomas Holbrook. I'm Stephen Kelly. And I'm Mitchell Brown. And this is like the second episode where Mitchell's a part of what we do. He brings a unique voice to all that we do. I try. You try. You succeed. Actually, I do. I, I don't even have to try. <laughs> <laughs> But one one of the things that when I, you know, when we first started talking about, you know, adding somebody to the team, one of the things that was brought up was kind of a trend. Last time we talked about media and kind of the direction it's going, one of the things that blends into is politics. And there's been a trend in politics of people just kind of walking away from a giant mess or a potential mess, so to speak. Um... Recently, Michelle Bachman has decided not to run for re-election in 2014, which is very, very interesting. I think um, it's very funny, too. Well, yeah. It brought a smile to my face. <laughs> um, Bachman was a tea part, was, ran on a Tea Party wave, succeeded in getting into office, and then proceeded to throw the Tea Party under the bus, which is... Why, why do you say that she threw the Tea Party under the bus? In, in a sense, because all of a sudden, all sorts of legislation that kept coming up, she went get, She voted the exact opposite of their positions. And same thing that kind of happened with, in Missouri, Vicki Hartzler, she, she ran in a highly contested race, managed to win to go onto the November ballot of that particular year. She rode that Tea Party wave. There was a lot of people who were disillusioned with the Democrat Party. Same thing that happened previously with the Republican Party. And uh, and I've been noticing a trend of more and more, as of late, people are going, we, we need a different option. They're going independent, green. Whatever is available that's closest to their ideology, personal ideology, they're going with because they're tired of running, you know, Coke and Pepsi all the time. In that sense, what we need is RC. Well, Jonathan Dine said maybe they want a Dr Pepper. Oh, okay. That's what he's. <laughs> <laughs> and and people are like, wait, isn't that a Pepsi product? Actually, no, it's not. They just have an agreement <laughs> with Pepsi. Pepsi just simply helps get the stuff on the shelf. It's actually an independent company that does that. It's. Owned, I believe, by Seven Up, if memory serves, or I could be wrong. I believe it's with Seven Up. That's why I keep saying Seven Up, um, and that sort of thing. So this is what's happening. Um, Bachman's basically pulling out after um, this year. Um, anybody want to elaborate on this or 
My my whole thing is I'm wondering if this isn't something. To, well, there's there's two options. Option one is what I'm kind of leaning towards is that she's going to take the Sarah Palin route, and she has been offered probably some kind of deal with Fox News or a like a speech tour, and I would not be surprised if she all of a sudden has a HPV vaccine bus or something here pretty soon and goes around stroking her own ego. But I'm wondering if the catalyst for that isn't Carl Rove's new super PAC. I don't know if you guys have been following this, but uh, Carl Rove, as you know, uh, basically created the Tea Party. They, he, he created some super PACs in order to fund them uh, years ago. And now he's created another super PAC called the Conservative Victory Project, which is what is created essentially to, and I quote, um, get rid of unelectable candidates, mm-hmm. end quote. To me, this is essentially Dr. Frankenstein trying to kill his creation because what it honestly seems like is that he is targeting the more fringe Tea Party candidates that are making them look bad. And after Mitt Romney's poor showing and the general poor showing of the uh, Republican Party in the last election, it seems like they're, he's heading up a damage control thing. Mm-hmm. I th- so you would say it's pretty much this is sort of like the Tea Party has sort of like spin its wheels. Like this is sort of like their, yeah. their last gasp. Yeah, they, they tried a populist movement to try to, you know, win back. Pseudo-populist. Yeah, pseudo-populist. Because we know what the, where the purse strings led to. Yeah. Um, they infiltrated a real populist movement, took it over, um, pumped a bunch of money into it, and now look where it's got them. <laughs> do, you, do you think that it's a possibility that uh, the rhetoric, like with with Bachman, what we talked to before, we went on air, the sort of McCarthyist behavior of directly false statements, like saying Keith Ellison was in league with the Muslim Brotherhood. Do you think that it's pulling away from sort of uh, something that, that's extreme? Most from definitely, because, I mean, even if you are a social conservative, I honestly don't see how you could, like, support a candidate that constantly says some of the stuff that her... And Todd Aiken. I mean, like, we'll, we'll but throw... they but they do still have support. Oh yeah, did you they, watch? They still do. Did you watch her? Uh, I watched it before coming over. Her speech at CPAC. Oh, definitely. Because uh, uh, did you did you see that? Oh yeah. I, I well, I, I saw a, 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 an ed- I didn't watch the whole thing, uh-huh. but I saw an edited version of it on the internet. So I don't know I exactly what they have cut out of it to pro- most likely to make her look bad, but she honestly doesn't need that much help in that regard. Because <laughs> like, and, th- and this is the thing. And the ironic thing is when McCarthy was talking about communists having infiltrated the Democratic Party, well, not just Nate, well, with McCarthy, he didn't just focus on Democrats. He focused on society at large, from you know movies to uh, comic book artists to labor unions. With labor unions, there's actually some validity there, but of course, it was exaggerated. Oh, blown yeah. out of proportion. And that's where he ran into a problem. He actually was correct, as it turned out years later, that, well, the DNC was, had communists in it. They didn't quite succeed, so what happened? All of a sudden, the new right forms. Who, the conservatives I, I, come out of. I have to ask, is who were the the communists in the DNC at that point in time? Um, because I've never my, heard that before. The Verdana papers confirmed it. Um, website called Disinformation actually came out and said actually that there was some validity to it. 
problem is he actually did overblow it. He was an Alex Jones of his day, crying wolf one time too many, and people had enough and said... And died a lonely alcoholic. Yeah. Yep. And that's the issue at hand, is it's the hyperbole that we kind of mentioned in a previous episode regarding another matter that takes away from stuff that actually legitimately occurred and kind of causes people to go, oh, you're a crazy nut job because you're saying that it ha- some of that happened. Um, there was an attempt to take over the DNC, and then that didn't quite work. And then the Republican Party, there were people who who were called the crazies. The and effing, who, who, who the crazies, and Dick Cheney was among those people that was referred to as the crazies, if memory serves. Um, what, what year was this? What what era? Nixon's era, memory serves, somewhere around there, and Reagan's era as well. Really more prominent during Ronald Reagan's era. Because Reagan, Reagan was a Democrat for the longest time mm-hmm. and quote-unquote switched sides, and then it was hit or miss. It was just, a- after those assassination attempts, things just weren't the same because <laughs> people actually tried to kill him. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. And so it's just like, oh my god. And so you have people, you have parties that start out one way and then they wind up in another way entirely. The, the Republican Party is, is a good example. Oh, that yeah. Just with the, with the demographics of a Republican Party, um, the 50s, the 40s, the Republican Party did not have a base in the South until Richard Nixon, the Southern strategy. It didn't, the Republican Party at that time was the the Eastern Big Business Party. Well, yeah, and like up until Nixon or at Nixon, up until Reagan was in office, there were you know liberals in the Republican Party. It wasn't just a liberal conservative you know versus situation. It was you know, ideological. You know, it wasn't just based on ideological lines. It was business interests and other things. And you know, all the throughout the last hundred years, the two parties have honestly switched like. Exactly, you you know you had the Democrats during the Civil War are essentially the same as what the Republican Party is now. Just kind of cracks me up, you know, thinking about that because it's like you know here they are. You have these people that will drape themselves in the same flag that you had, you know, Lincoln in, and it's like you would have like run a smear campaign against Lincoln if he was in office now. Shut up. Political climate, it's always mutable. None of it stays frozen. In an equilibrium, like whenever people t- come talk about third parties, don't vote for Libertarian Party. It's throwing your vote away. I mean, had one guy tell me, Republican or Democrat, chicken or fish. Uh, <laughs> was it uh, Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican president? Yeah. So therefore, we haven't had we haven't had that duopoly since the form since the formation of the republic. So if the duopoly wasn't there 200 years ago, that's to say that maybe 50. A hundred years from now, it won't be Republican. You don't see too many people voting Whig and Tory over yeah. here anymore. Because, like, starting out with, it was the Federalist Party, then the Democrat-Republican, which turned to the Democrat Party. Then you had the Dixiecrats on there, too, the offshoot for the Democrats. And, and at the end, before he ended his second and final term as president of the United States, George Washington spoke out against political parties because he saw what was going to 
come down the line, he realized there could be a real issue. And that, that was the greatest weakness of the setup of this country. And I'm one of the few that doesn't just say, hey, I like what the founding fathers of the country had to say. I also acknowledge their mistakes. Mm -hmm. One of the things they didn't take into account is what happens if a faction takes over all three branches of government. In a, in a, in a pluralistic society, of course you're going to have different factions. If you want to call a party a faction, if you have you know three different people in this room, we all have three different you know varying ideas and right. beliefs. So there's going to be parties or political factions that, that we gravitate towards. Yeah. And right now, what what we're seeing is we're seeing a transformation kind of taking place. Like, there was the accusation of unethical behavior on the part of Michelle Bachman as well, and she's like, that has nothing to do with me stepping you know, down after all this. Or Now, does that mostly span from when she supposedly didn't pay any of her staffers, or is this a different thing that she was involved with? It was, it was regarding her presidential campaign, if memory serves, from what little I had read, people... And she came right out and said, no, it has nothing to do with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's very interesting. You have this whole denial thing, too, where her husband is a quote-unquote Christian counselor, yeah. Bachman and Associates. And you start wondering about him as well. And For what reason? What reason do you wonder about him? Um, I looked at the picture. I looked at him. You start wondering if his sexual orientation is something else entirely as wanting to just kind of mask it. Maybe it's hyperbole. Maybe it's not. But um, For him to be so vehemently against homosexuality, it kind of makes you wonder. Especially with, you know... You never know. But I, There's he, a really good Christopher Hitchens quote about, about people who are uh, vehemently... Uh, anti-gay and and how they come out he really goes into description that's really funny and it's classic christopher hitchens um what is that quote or i'm you're looking at uh, yeah i'm gonna try to find it yeah it's, it's it's really lengthy if you know how christopher hitchens speaks it, gotcha. it's really lengthy so like and it reminds me of that Redwood Grove that we talked about a few episodes back in Sonoma County, California, the Bohemian Grove, where supposed conservative politicians basically run around with each other naked in the forest. <laughs> and something clicks in your head, and you're like, mm. Yeah. Of course, Richard Nixon attended that, by the way, at one point, he didn't care for it. And, uh, and let's let's be frank, none of us here are against that lifestyle or anything. It's just when you are uh, in, in the media demonizing that lifestyle, and then if you most likely are also a member of it, that is incredibly disingenuous, and that's my problem with it. So I honestly have no problem with any of that. It's just if they... Michelle Bachman and her husband have done more harm to that community than, you know, you can imagine with that, you know, she, she literally said at one point that I, I can't remember, it wasn't this recent tornado, but a couple years ago, she accused a storm, she was one of the people kind of like, uh, the guy that has that 700 club show that I, Pat, Pat Robertson, Robertson, who accused, 
Mother Nature for being or homosexuality for the cause of acts of nature. And whenever mm-hmm. someone says something like that, and it's in the media, not not just like off the cuff, but they come out and like, here's my speech. Uh, that tornado is because they were gay. With and I, I think most people, even people who are of faith, even people who are theists, don't buy into that. Like when you bring up Pat Robertson. Whenever he said, uh, I'll try to do an impersonation, it was, uh, the, the earthquake in Haiti was because their, uh, their, their ancestors to overthrow the French made a pact with the devil. All right, if you have an eighth grade knowledge of earth science, you know how earthquakes happen, the shifting of tectonic plates. Um, actually, I don't know, I don't know where that <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make, uh, yeah. That, Is that a good impersonation of Pat Robertson? I just that that kind of stuff. It, it it's like uh, it's no different than the people that jump to the conclusion that like you know a certain racial group is to blame for everything. It, it's it's insane, and I just don't see how. Well, and that and her whole thing with the, the HPV vaccine causing mental retardation mm-hmm. with Michelle Bachman. That's another one. You know, she took findings from one. Te- from one scientific study that was disproven immediately as being some sort of you know anti-vaccination lobby more or less, and ran with it. And that was her entire political campaign essentially. You know, and you had uh, oh Jenny McCarthy on there, and they're all, and it's just it's yeah we're all trying to figure out what what causes autism and you know and and everything, but I there's got to be people. There's autistic people in other countries that did not get that any vaccinations, so that completely disproves that right there. So I don't know. It it what what they're just and there was um, a discovery by somebody overseas who was interviewed by Joseph Mercola, which um, Huffington Post basically has said whether you like the guy or not, he's a game changer in terms of you know health and wellness because of his stuff online. Some people refer to him as as a man with great insight, others as a quack, depending upon who you talk to. But he had actually talked to somebody that discovered a poss- another possibility as well for the autism. You know, after after the vaccination and everything else, what discovering that, well, if if your body's not also not digesting things properly, that can throw other things off. And this lady, apparently, researcher overseas, started, you know, seeing some correl- a little bit of correlation to that as well. Something that most people would never ever think of, except when you have hyperbole like that, it takes away from potential actual discovery. And gets to the point where if you even question conventional knowledge of today, in the same way that Galileo questioned quote-unquote conventional knowledge of that time, you get laughed at, called crazy, and everything else. Yeah, because you get lumped in with the person that's, you know, going nuts over there. and saying, The tinfoil hat people? Yeah. <laughs> I, think one, I think a question that with Michelle Bachman announcing that she's not going to run for re-election in Congress, and Karl Rove stating not to bet with his new PAC yeah. to not back unelectable candidates. Does this represent a shift in the political landscape? Does it represent a shift on the right? I mean, what can we foresee 
it, it can this be a, a catalyst to something else? And if so, what? Do we think that the there's going to be like a Tea Party breakaway or something possibly? Because I'm almost wondering if you're not going to see these, uh, especially if they start going against them, it almost makes me wonder if you're not going to see the Republican Party split into two. It's it, but it's it's already the Republican Party's already. I mean, it's already splintered. It's already factional. But it makes if if they're not going to be give, given money, you know, for it makes you wonder if they're not going to actually formally kind of become their own thing for the most part. Like a third, like a third party. Another. Third I, I think party. you see, see some. I see some definite overlap with the Tea Party and the Constitution Party. I do too. With their platform, and I'm not a big fan of what a lot of the Constitution Party. Advocates on economic issues. I see an overlap with libertarian with the Libertarian Party, but I looked at their platform. They want to outlaw porn and gambling. Well, didn't they also like one of their their few people that made a pretty big dent in uh, one of the elections? It was, I believe, the the, the two thousand four election. He was. I, I should have looked this up. He was actually gunning for. Um, them to ban homosexuality, and he kind of hinted that he wanted to put them in like re-education camps or something. Chuck Baldwin was that who that who said that it was it was insane. It was like, <laughs> and, and, and the funny part is the only reason Ron Paul endorsed him was because then Libertarian candidate Bob Barr did not attend a certain event where the original plan was Ron Paul was going to present these third party candidates and say, "Hey, you do have a choice. These are who these people are." Find out where they stand, but you do have a choice. Bob Barr didn't attend. Bob Barr kept saying, come on, be my VP pick, man. And Wayne Allen Root, from what I found out, would have willingly stepped aside. And Ron Paul kept saying over and over again, I'm not going to run as a third party. Um, part of it was because he wouldn't have been able to, even if he wanted to, because he had tried to gain the nomination as a Republican one of the people who defied those type of quote-unquote internal rules was Gary Johnson, and there was backlash against him because of that, where they got him kicked off the ballot in Michigan. And they tried to get him kicked off the ballot in other states. One thing that makes me wonder is if uh, there's been a lot of recent... It seems like there's a lot of nostalgia, especially when Margaret, Margaret Thatcher died recently... There's been this like nostalgia for the early '80s, and but with politicians, I mean, they always did that before. They, you know, Reagan is obviously sense? in what sense? Reagan is practically canonized on the. Well, that's right what I'm now. saying. Reagan is their messiah, mm-hmm. and it, it makes me wonder if you have people like Karl Rove that have, they're they're thinking that oh my God, we've gone so far away. We need to go back to the the good old times of you know, the Reagan era. And, I think a lot of politicians on. A lot of in the in the GOP, they praise Reagan's name, but their track record and their oh, yeah. voting record and their beliefs are not in sync. Oh no, yeah, Reagan. they're they're completely different. I mean, they've basically taken the idea of Reagan and said, you know, he stood for you know this. They've gone in like the watered down version, and they've adopted some sort of Ayn Rand like version of him, which is funny. She hated Reagan. Right before she died, <laughs> which it, which it isn't it's isn't surprising. She didn't get along with William F. Buckley either. There's this uh, clip on YouTube. I think it's like a Charlie Rose talking about that Ayn Rand initially supported uh, the National Review and Buckley because of an anti-communist stance, but approached him and said something like, 
you are too smart to believe in God. And <laughs> William F. Buckley talked about that any time there was any function he was going to be at, she would decline to be there. Wow. that's. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Thomas? Um, and a lot of people, a lot of, number one, a lot of people slam Anne Rand. Oh, she collected Social Security like everybody else. Well, she was forced to have money put into that fund. She might as well get some of her money back. But... And but doesn't it? But if somebody takes such a, such a stance like that, doesn't it contradict their 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 previous stance? Like Michelle Bachman being a a Tea Party back candidate and having formerly worked for the IRS. It does, and people found, and this is what happens when people don't look at things and but don't realize. Also, that. I mean, looking at a counterpoint, that I do think that. It's uh, it's impossible to be a hundred percent ideologically pure. Whether you're talking about a political ideology, most definitely when you're talking about a religious ideology. Well, even if you try to go that route, you end up with something like Cambodia. You know, during the you know Pol Pot, people, any sort of dissent, you know, gets to the point where someone's got to be the bad guy. You can't have pure ideology, and you're going to end up with you know people getting killed or something. I mean, that's a over the top version of you know, but. You end up with something like this. You have these two conflicting groups that say that they espouse what the you know the Republican Party, what their virtues are, and they don't agree whatsoever. They're only working together. I mean, you can't tell me that Ron Paul sitting up there with all those other Republican candidates wasn't pretty much ridiculous because he had nothing in common with any of them, and you know that, that's why they basically ignored him that entire time. They were like, and he you know he would call them out on stuff like one of the last debates where he you know referred to Michelle Bachman as one of the most racist people he knew. It was hilarious because, and coincidentally, one of the last times he actually spoke in a debate. <laughs> well, when, as far as with, the, I mean, and this was brought up whenever Dine spoke at UCM, uh, somebody from the audience had asked, well, wouldn't it be easier to have libertarianism injected into the Republican Party? You would think if the Ron Paul Republicans could act as a wedge in the party, but that's such such a small segment. But my favorite Ron Paul debate moment was him and Santorum talking about Iran. <laughs> and, uh, and Santorum says that the U.S. has been at war with Iran since 1979. No, there's been a strained relationship, but and a hostage crisis and an Islamic revolution in 79. But they were not at war at that point. And Ron Paul says, "Well, you have to look at." For that, 53, with uh, the removal of Mossadegh and Operation Ajax, says we have an incident that preludes the 79 Islamic Revolution the CIA had a hand in. That, I think he just embarrassed him. I love that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I mean, what's Santorum going to say after that? I mean, he, his entire but, platform but, was but, anti- uh, yeah. it, At least he didn't do, uh, oh, what was the... the Perry from Texas. Oh god. Where he couldn't think up his uh his two He he was copying Ron Paul's talking <laughs> points and Ron Paul's just looking are, at him. What are the three institutions you want to get rid of? Uh, 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 uh well, I don't remember. That's right, you won. <laughs> you won the debate. It's like a lot honestly to me, a lot of those de- primary Republican debates in uh, in 2011 
They were like Saturday Night Live. Oh, they Saturday Night Live. They were more entertaining than Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live years. couldn't really do a parody of them because they were already a self-parody. Like you couldn't, you could just watch that and be like, "Wow." <laughs> and like when, when when Bill Maher refers to one particular Republican as the sanest man in the room, that's you know how bad it's gotten. Who did he say that about? Uh, Ron Paul, oh. the sanest man in the room, and he was referencing Ron Paul saying. Why are you saying we'd have to consult attorneys about going to Iran and attacking them or something like that? When we, all we have to do is just read the Constitution. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Um, and, and it's interesting that mentioned Rick Perry. Not just Rick Perry, but, oh, what was his? Rick Santorum? Yeah. I should remember his name. There was an entire meme created on Santorum. Oh, yeah. You looked him up on Google. <laughs> He made it into Urban Dictionary. Hooray. <laughs> but um, the the funny thing is, in the beginning, Santorum was so scared of the Tea Party, saying that it was, you know, that it was going to erode traditional conservatism, which he really didn't know what that was. And then all of a sudden, he thanks the Tea Party for their support. And that's what, you know, gave me a big clue that it started as a populist movement of people who were tired of bailouts, tired of all this sort of stuff, and then suddenly Glenn Beck embraces it. Crying his crocodile tears. The Koch brothers, who had tried to create something by that same name during the whole move at prohibiting tobacco products and everything else, tried to, oh, hey, this is becoming popular. Hey, let's take this now. And everything else... There's coming a trend from what I'm saying of people getting tired of seeing the same thing dressing up in a different package. They're seeing the uh, coating on a can of like soda and another, and they're seeing it as just a brand name. They're going, these are just people who just they just want a guaranteed payday getting into political political office. I think that the disenfranchised that you know uh, feeling of being disenfranchised about politics. I think that goes from the left to the right. You saw that with the rise of the Tea Party. You saw that with the rise of the Occupy movement. Even though I didn't, I didn't agree with either movement, but this shows that there are people who are upset about business as usual in Washington. Uh, now we've been concentrating on Michelle Bachman. Um, there's been other politicians that have recently stepped out for basically the same reasons as well. Um, oh, what's the the guy in Florida? Alan, you're talking about Alan West? Yeah, Alan West. That guy. <laughs> I mean, he was... Uh, I, I am, I'm completely amazed that he was elected, to be honest, like with some of the stances he has on things. Because, I mean, you had... Uh... The, well, the, the thing to me, well, the reason why Alan West loses all credibility in my book is that there are 80 members... It's, yeah, it's like the, the, the it's an updated 21st century... Joe McCarthy, eighty, mem- uh, 80 members of the House who are card-carrying uh, communist <laughs> members. Who? I yeah. mean, that's very interesting. If that's true, who names? And NPR did a story not too shortly after that, saying he said card-carrying Communist Party members. They actually interviewed a representative from the Communist Party. <laughs> Turns out they don't issue cards. Uh oh. Well, that's the thing. Is like. Yeah, it's easy to completely, you know, you want to paint your... People want to look back at the Cold War and say, man, 
we knew who the bad guy was then, and they want to try to paint modern politics with that same brush. You just can't do that. You can't resort back to going back to that because it's ridiculous. We're not at war. I mean, we, we have a strained relationship with Russia right now, but we're not... They're not our arch nemesis, and that's that's one of the things that made me angry with Mitt Romney was when he went he went uh, on his little foreign tour of mess ups, and I can't I believe it was in Poland he did a whole speech about how we need to fight Russia. And it's like it's 2013, Mitt Romney. What are you doing? So well, so much to me that's not surprising at all because so much of social conservatism rests upon the idea of establishing a cultural equilibrium, longing for the good old days. <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, or so-called good old days. And and the thing I've got to keep in mind is the reason why people have a lot of trouble with me is my mind is like <coughs> ahead of its time. I don't think. Why do you term, say that? I don't think of things in terms of left wing or right wing anymore because I realize that definition has switched. It's a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. The false paradigm. It's a false choice. What. Hitler in his day was considered progressive. Now, so-called conservatism is equated with Hitlerism. Bush was referred to as another Hitler, even though he really wasn't that much of a leader. He was just, he seemed more like a sock puppet than anything else. (laughs) And and even one of my professors at UCM, Laurie Stone referred to him as a very terrible public speaker. Like, Children's do learn. That's what he said. Hey, we're in a building, funny. sir. We're in a building, sir. Can you take them sunglasses off? <laughs> <laughs> the guy was blind in that. <laughs> oh, and he was just so easy to make fun of and everything else. One of the things she had said was, if it's in a very controlled setting, he does fine. If Surprise, he has to do a speech. Oh, my God, he flubs badly, basically. He would try to wing it and just would say the most ridiculous things that you can imagine. Fool me, can't get fooled. (laughs) (laughs) We got got a saying down in Texas. Uh, (laughs) Fool me once. uh, 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 If you fool me once, you can't fool me again. (laughs) But um, getting back to what you were saying about the false left-right uh, dichotomy. I think, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw this. I think it, it was uh, some shows on Fox. This Freedom Watch, I think, is what it was, mm-hmm. with uh, Ron Paul sitting down with Ralph Nader. I think that's to get over the the left right dichotomy. That's what we need to see more of. Where do we to focus? Whether somebody's left, right, progressive, libertarian, green, whatever they label themselves, to sit down with other individuals and find some type of commonality what do we agree on we know what we disagree on and to talk about that all day long is counterproductive focus on what issues do we agree on if everything from the average citizen to people in congress i think you would see some of this gridlock subside if people put more emphasis on what what do we agree on and and that's the thing um during the 2008 election these third-party candidates actually came up with a, we agree on this, this, and this. We agree that we need to take a harder look at the Federal Reserve. Maybe we shouldn't be as involved overseas. And those are, maybe the Patriot Act was not such a good idea. Those sorts of things. Because 
even with the Constitution Party, and even with the last presidential candidate, Virgil Goode. Do <laughs> 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 you want to hear my impersonation of him? Oh, sure. To, did you see the, the fourth party debate when there was a... He uh, would talk honestly like, like, like he had brain damage or something. <laughs> Governor Romney and President Obama. <laughs> I remember when the issue of legalization of marijuana came up, and Virgil, everybody, uh, Rocky Johnson from the Justice Party, Gary Johnson, and uh, Jill Stein from the Green Party were all in agreement with decriminalization or legalization of marijuana. Virgil, good. <laughs> he, he said. I am not for legalization. I will not legalize marijuana. If you want to legalize marijuana, don't vote for me. <laughs> and then Gary Johnson was right next to him and started clapping. Yeah, go vote for the opposition. Wow. Not any reason why he would not be willing to entertain legalization or decriminalization of marijuana. Just, I will not legalize marijuana. If you want to legalize marijuana, don't vote for me. He was just going for the soundbite and thinking he was some kind of orator or something. I, I, I don't. <laughs> Virgil Good, an orator? No. He, he was a terrible, terrible candidate. He was he was with every major party, even was an independent for a while. Now, he did come out and say that the one regret he had was voting for the Patriot Act. Even he was like, that was not a good idea. And when somebody like him is saying, this was a bad idea, that's speaking volumes to somebody like me who's looking at this. So, uh, before we go, do we see it? Is a trend coming where people are looking for something a little bit different? Maybe even just independent, even? I, I hope so. Like I said, with these movements, whether, with, whether they're left-wing or right-wing, you see people who are tired with business as usual. Definitely. I mean, I don't want it to be the situation like they have in the Middle East where there's 250 political parties per election, but there does need to be an alternative because most people, their ideology does not sit with, you know, the tried and true left-right dichotomy. It's going to be, you know, some people take something from here, something from here. There needs to be an alternative for those people and right now, I mean, you're just not getting that. And even in the 8th District of Missouri, um, there's a special election because somebody stepped down. After they got elected, re-elected, they stepped down. And now you have, you have other people running, including Bill Slants for the Libertarian Party. I can't remember the other candidates off the top of my head, but even that, even in Missouri, that's happening now where people are just starting to walk. Anyway, we are on the nextreport.com. We are practically everywhere except for LinkedIn. That profile's mostly blank. So sorry if I chose to ignore you, follow, ignore you in connection. It's just I don't use that site anymore. It's just blank. But we are practically everywhere other than that. Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. I'm Thomas. I'm Stephen. And I'm Mitchell. The man... And we will see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Next Report with your hosts Thomas Holbrook II and Stephen Kelly. Our intro music is from J.T. Bruce. It's called Plunge into Hyperreality. It's from the album Dreamer's Paradox. 
available for free at jimendo.com. Any news clips used are utilized under fair use, and please feel free to visit us at thenextreport.com where you can leave feedback and see show notes.